Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is about sex. If you're faint-hearted or easily offended, you might not want to listen, but you should. Join me, Tracy Cox, and Kelsey Chittick as we share honest and real sex advice on this award-winning podcast. Tracy is an international sex educator and author of lots of books about sex and relationships. Kelsey is a podcaster, comedian, and author who is getting out of her comfort zone both in the bedroom and in these conversations. Each week, we answer three anonymous sex and relationship questions sent in by you, our listeners. And nothing is off limits. Here's Sex Talk. Hi, and welcome to our Best Of series. We think you might like to listen to some of our most popular episodes. The new season of Sex Talk starts again on February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Kind of appropriate. In the meantime, here's some vintage us. After a few relationships in my 20s, I've enjoyed 10 years of being voluntarily single, but I'm now looking to meet someone new. I'm keen for my next relationship to have open, honest communication around sex. I know it's easier to start as you mean to go, so I'd like to ask when and how can I start to set this precedent? Thanks so much for the podcast. It's important work. I love that one. We love this woman because I like two things about that. I love that she was single for 10 years voluntarily and just decided that I'm going to wait and then I'm going to have a relationship on my terms when I'm ready. Love that. And I also like the question because so many people say to me, how do you start talking about sex in a relationship that's already established? But no one's actually said, how do you make it right from the start that it works really well right from the start? So I love the question. Now, The caveat to all of this is that if you want to have a relationship that is working, you know, that you can talk about sex openly and honestly, you need to be comfortable talking about sex yourself, right? Number one. So if you're not comfortable, you might want to look at your childhood. You might want to practice talking about sex with your girlfriends. Now, so I would say the real, real trick to all of this is to start talking about sex as a general topic of conversation When you first meet someone, the way we do, we talk about the weather, the way we talk about restaurants, don't make it any different at all. And for this woman, what would be ideal for her is to say, oh, I was listening to this best podcast this morning. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Sex Talk with Tracy and Kelsey. And then it gives sense this very clear message to him. It says, sex is not off limits for me. I like sex. I'm open to being educated about sex. It sends so many messages. So he's right. Okay, right. So this is somebody who's going to be open about sex. And if he's not open about sex, he's going to be scared off. And that's a good thing because you want a relationship with somebody who's got a nice, healthy attitude to sex. But people, I think, think, oh, I've got to be talking about us. No, talk about sex in general. Like, When you first go out with somebody, lots of people tend to avoid the topic of sex, you know, especially if you haven't done it yet. But don't talk about the hot show on TV. Talk about the something you've just read in the newspaper. Talk about the book you're reading. Just make it as casual in conversation as it would be, isn't it a lovely hot sunny day out there? 
So that's the first trick. No, I love that. You know, I obviously, you know, the past five years I've dated and I didn't date at all in my whole life before that because I met my husband when I was 19. But I will say that's one of the best things that I've done is from the beginning, we talk about sex. We talk about what we want. We're in our 40s or, you know, some of the guys I'm dating are in their 50s. And it's Mm. really nice to know where everybody stands. Are you open to new ideas around it? Are you open to trying new things? Are you someone who doesn't like to talk about it? Because for me, at least, if you are dating and you have that experience of getting to know different people, because once you're married, that's a whole different thing. But you Mm. do want to enjoy that part of it. It should be a really fun thing. And if it's not a fun thing, and if you're not trying new things, and you're not pushing the envelope a little bit to see what you enjoy and what gives you pleasure. I think you're missing out on a huge part of the beginning of relationships. And I think how you started is the way you go. Yeah, exactly. She's right about that. So, And I, I think that some people don't like talking about sex as in their sex life until they've had it. Other people are like, wow, I can't wait until we actually have sex. You know, you really turn me on, all that sort of stuff. She might say, for instance, you know, I haven't had, I don't know, she might have been single, but still very sexually active. But if she hasn't, she could say, oh my God, I haven't had it for a while. I hope it's like riding a bike. You know, just make a joke of it. Now, once you start having sex, what normally happens in a relationship is that couples are very much, they think they talk about sex all the time because they say things like, wow, that was amazing. Or wow, that was hot, wasn't it? And that's about it, right? So that's not talking about sex. You need to step it up a notch and start really having discussions and setting up good habits, like a regular check-in with sex. Maybe once a month, say to each other, you know, how are we going? Do we really like this? Do we want more of that? Um, Do you like the way I'm doing this? Shall we try this technique? Shall we try that technique? You know, I felt like I didn't really have a full orgasm then. That was really weird. It felt like I missed an orgasm. Sometimes I do that. It feels, I know I've had a climax, but it didn't register in my brain or just conversational things about sex. And one of the biggest gifts you can give to each other is to masturbate in front of each other. And if you're shy, just close your eyes. It takes away all the embarrassment. So you can see what works for each other. And I know that's not talking, but you can be talking as you're doing it. And so... I mean, all of these things will just so it's conversational, it's regular, it's it's being able to say, you know, God, that was a really great orgasm. And also to say that orgasm felt really weird, you know, that all the stuff, the positives and the negatives. So that means that when a problem hits, you can just, it's not uncomfortable at all. Now, when a problem hits, you want to talk about it earlier than later. Don't let it fester. Just the minute you think there is some kind of issue, be calm, make it light and just address it. Say he's having erectile dysfunction. You say, well, that wasn't the full, you know, attention, was it? But anyway, who cares? It happens. And, you know, just the minute you can address it, don't, if there's any awkwardness, you're better off addressing the awkwardness than you are waiting. So that's the trick to how to do it from early on. But again, it's just generally treating sex as the same way you treat anything else in your life that you share together as a couple. I love it. I think it's great advice. And I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes something that you talk about. Oh my God, yes. It's so, it can be so hard if you don't start those conversations and have them sober on a Monday in the morning. Yeah. And it it really can be so much fun if you start to talk about things that you're so embarrassed about. I do love your saying, um, if you're embarrassed, close your eyes. That's <laughs> that's just a great thing to think about. I don't think women realize you have the ability to close your eyes and go in and try new things without staring at someone or thinking about it too much. Just 
Give it a go. Be courageous mm. in the bedroom. I think yes. it translates to the outside of your life, outside of the bedroom. Oh, of course it does. Though it's difficult to close your eyes if you're talking to somebody. Actually, that's called eye shut out. I don't necessarily think that that's a good thing. God, I had one of my friends that I used to argue with all the time. Whenever you'd argue with him, he would shut his eyes. And it's sort of like, I can't even look at you as I'm talking to you. It's really bad. It's off-putting. But during well, sex, it removes all embarrassment because without eye contact, there is no embarrassment. Totally. I love it. Okay, next question. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm a 42-year-old female, and it's always taken me ages to orgasm. But once I've had an orgasm, I'm so sensitized I can't be touched anywhere. As a result, I generally just fake it for my partner so he has orgasms and always feel unsatisfied. Is this normal, or is this something I can do to desensitize myself? Now, I was a bit confused about Let me just see if you've read this the same way I did. So she's saying that she has a real orgasm, I presume, with his tongue or hands or fingers or something like that, right? And then they go on to have intercourse, I'm guessing, and then she fakes the second one during that. Is that what she's saying? No, I think what she says is she, when she does have an orgasm, she's done. She can't even be touched. There's no more sex, anything. So she basically decided to fake it because if she doesn't fake it, then the whole experience is over for her because she can't be touched. So she doesn't know how to have an orgasm without being over for being right, done. Okay. So how can she have an orgasm right. and then not feel overtouched and overstimulated? Okay, right. Because I read it the other way and I was like, wow, why would you have to fake an orgasm when you've already had a real one? <laughs> a <weird>. good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. So first of all, it's normal to be sensitive and pretty much everybody pushes the partner away because it's very sensitive at the tip of the clitoris if you're having direct clitoral stimulation that way. So very common. What causes the sensitivity is that there's thousands of nerve in the clitoris that all fire up when you're aroused. And then these nerve endings, we've talked about this before, are stimulated differently in different people. So it's a bit like a pain threshold. Some people have a high pain threshold. Some people have a low pain threshold. Some people get really sensitive after orgasm. Some people don't get sensitive after orgasm. It's all to do with how quickly your nerves signal the brain that it's to calm down. Now, for most people, I would say the majority of people, it's probably two minutes before your sensitivity reduces and not that you're probably up for direct genital contact or touching of the clitoris or the tip of the clitoris directly, but you're kind of ready to keep going. But it can be up to an hour or even hours in some people and it can affect the whole of the vulva and even the top of the legs, the thighs can become oversensitive. So it's just how you're wired. So you are clearly wired so that you are extra, extra sensitive. So in a practical sense, this would be how I'd approach it practically. Have an orgasm, time yourself to just see how long it takes before you can bear to be touched. Now that might be 10 minutes 
say 10 or 15 minutes. If it is 10 or 15 minutes, then you could have an orgasm with your partner through oral sex and then you could stimulate him for 10 minutes or you could have lots of breast play or kissing or anything that's non-genital and then you could move on into all intercourse if that's what you feel like. If it's longer than 10 minutes, if it's like half an hour, an hour, well, that's not workable. So if that's the case, I would reverse it to what the average heterosexual couple do and I would have his orgasm first and then have her orgasm. That would be the way that I deal with it. But the glaring thing to me that stands out from that whole question is that they're not talking and for some reason she's feeling shame. So I think she has to say to her boyfriend, look, I don't know if she's told him that this happens, but this is what happens. I've checked. It's perfectly normal. I've also checked that there's nothing I can do about it. I've done an experiment. It takes me X amount of time before I can calm down. We need to talk about, you know, can we have a conversation about how to accommodate this into our sex? And if you were really brave, you'd say to him, in actual fact, it's been such a a sort of thing for me that I've had to fake orgasm and I really don't want to continue to fake it with you. That would be the ideal scenario. That'd be ideal, but try the first ones first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) True. True, true. That's good. Okay. All right, last one. I'm 46 and back dating after a messy divorce. I was married for 20 years and feeling a bit nervous about it all. My main concern is safe sex. I'm on the pill so protected against pregnancy, but should I be using a condom? I didn't like using them in my 20s, but maybe that's changed now. What's the etiquette? Do I bring them with me? Should I suggest it or wait for him to? How likely is it to catch anything later in life? Sister, I feel your pain. That is exact. I mean, I think... When I had to get back out there, it felt so big and so huge after being married for so long. (laughs) And I was like, I do not want to get a disease. I do not want to get pregnant. I don't want to get anything. All I want is to connect with somebody. But there was so much fear because Mm. when you've been married so long, everybody that's been dating and single, they act like it's no big deal. Everyone's sleeping with everybody. And it's like everybody's on Hinge and Bumble and Tinder. And and you're like, I've just been at home for 20 years, for two decades. Mm. I don't know what the kids are doing. So I think that's a great question. And I've asked all of them. So do you use condoms? I mean, I want to say that I did always. Mm. I was always in a monogamous relationship and I did in the beginning, but I will say like, they're very uncomfortable for me. Are they? Why? I, they just, they, I don't know. I've, it feels dry and yucky. Right, and okay. it just, it's just like the Did whole, you use lube with it? No. I, I, no, I don't know that we did. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I just remember feeling like I was, like, I, I, I guess my question is, how can we still be having condoms as the only thing for birth control for men? Like, there has to be something other than him putting a sock on his penis. There has to be a better way. Like, <laughs> well, they're working on it. But it's easier to stop one egg than it, or a couple of eggs than it is thousands and thousands 100%. of hundred percent, no. But we're not talking about pregnancy here. We're talking about safe sex. Well, she wants both. No, I, don't, I didn't get it. Oh, yeah. he's on the pill. You're right. Yeah, so, okay. she's not, so it's just safe sex. But the thing is... They use a condom unless they get tested, right? Yeah. So I would say, I actually had another question as well from a woman asking about, should she use condoms in her 60s and saying that we don't often talk about safe sex and condoms, which Mm. is true. So good for pointing that out. The simple answer to all of this is anyone who's sexually active at any age should use a condom and practice safe sex because it is nothing to do with the age. It's to do with the person you're sleeping with. So even if you're dating somebody who hasn't had sex for 10 years, if they caught herpes back when they were young, they've still got herpes. 
you know, and it doesn't matter. Like, you know, some people write into me and they'll say, you know, oh, I'm having sex with this guy and he's only ever had one partner, so I don't need to use a condom. Fine. He's only had one partner, but how many partners did that one partner have that he slept with? She could have slept with dozens or he could have slept with dozens. So you the there is a really fail-safe way, by the way, to spot who's got a sexually transmitted disease, which it, it works every single time. What is it? You take them to a clinic and have them get a panel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is a trick question because you cannot spot who's got the STI. And right. we're really funny because older people are the worst at wearing condoms because we used to use them for pregnancy. So if right. you get over the point where you're going to get pregnant, it's like, oh, I don't need to use a condom. But the fact is... I mean, she says how likely is it that you're going to catch it later in life. The rates of STIs between 50 and 90, so some sexually active people that are quite old, has doubled in the last 10 years, doubled. And hep B and C, syphilis, HIV, chlamydia, a particularly attractive drug-resistant strain of gonorrhea, they're all on the rise. They are all on the rise. Kelsey's face is a study at this point. I don't think gonorrhea appeals to her. Just um, like think if you made it to your like 89 and then you just got a huge dose of syphilis <laughs> and you like had your heart was fine. Oh you had no Alzheimer's, but you were just riddled with an STD. It'd be like, oh, oh what, a, what a it, downer. What a way to go. Mind you, what a way to go. What a way to go. Do you remember that one of the things for syphilis or gonorrhea, I can't remember which, was that you had a red rash on your hands and the soles of your feet, on the palms and the soles of your oh, well, feet? Well, I'll be looking for that when I'm on my dating apps, obviously. I know. I'd have you look at that. But we, my friends used to look at it. We used to go, look at your hand, look at your <laughs> and nothing would be happening. Now, the only way to avoid any sort of STI is to not have sex at all, because even with herpes and warts, all you have to do is touch the infected skin and you can spread it. But condoms are the most highly effective thing that we have. And I'm with you, Kelsey. I can't believe we haven't come up with something else. But they will protect you against anything that's spread with bodily fluids, semen, blood, things like that. So in terms of have condoms changed? Yes. The good news is they have changed. They really have changed. What? I have a question. Sorry, I just raised my hand on the podcast. But okay, <laughs> let's say you use a condom for sex, but if you're having oral sex, you can still get it and you can't use you a can. condom with it, right? You can. You can use something called a dental dam, which oh is a God. little, I know, and it, all it is is a little sheet of latex, right? You can, if you want to protect yourself during oral sex, you can use some cling wraps, some nice thick plastic wrap that you use to keep food fresh. You can use a bit of that. I have to say it's less likely, though, though I also have to say, having said that, for men, I actually know somebody who got throat. And so men can get oral cancer from giving women oral sex. And it is not as rare as you think. It is moving right up there. So it's men who need to be protected against us in terms of that. This episode has been the most informational and also just put me in the worst mood to be single. <laughs> God, if you're married right now, stay together. Stay together. It's, stay it's, together. It's, it's very rough out there. It's very dangerous out there. No, but it is. The thing is, most people, I think in practical terms, most people use condoms for intercourse. Yeah. And anal sex is the most dangerous thing that you can do, of course, the most risky thing. It's a no for me. So no. Yeah. But so, okay. But if you are going to do that, you absolutely have to wear a condom that is designed for that because they need to be really heavy duty. Intercourse, definitely use a condom. Oral sex, I mean, yes, you should, but most people don't. I don't know one person who's ever used a dental dam, to be honest. No. But what I find quite interesting is that we... As people are very much like if you were having casual sex with somebody, it's a sexual relationship, everyone uses a condom. 
if you really like them and you think it's going to turn into something serious, you don't use a condom. hundred percent. You like them. Why do we have this weird view? It's crazy. That's so true. Like in the beginning, you're definitely wearing a condom because it's just too yeah. scary. Yeah. And then eventually you're like, oh, I really like this person. We don't need it anymore. Has no logical yeah. sense to it at all. None whatsoever. So the etiquette I would suggest is always carry them with you because women are more likely to get infected than men. And the reason why is that they've got tougher skin and our vulvas are very delicate and they very easily tear. And all you need is a micro tear and then that little infection just goes scurrying inside and off you go. See, that's making you even more depressed. But what you could do, here's the easy solution, is what you said at the start. If you really like someone, if you want to be monogamous, you can send off, you don't even have to go to a clinic to get a full STI checkup these days. You can send off, get a home testing kit. They're pretty accurate. In fact, they're very accurate. Send them off, get the all clear, and then you just have to trust each other that you won't be sleeping with other people. So that would be, but I always carry a condom for that one-off thing because you might want to have a relationship where you hang around and get tested. That's awesome though. I didn't, so you do have to wear them. I didn't know you could do that. So that's that's great. I will buy, be buying them with along with COVID tests. I will have STD tests. My bag is going to be so full when I go out on a Friday night. I'm going <laughs> to be testing for everything. I'm taking everything <laughs> with taking me. The ones Hi, I'm Kelsey. Can I just, and here we are with all these tests. Can I just say one thing? I'm talking about the dryness with um, using a condom. If you use lube with a condom, you've got to be very careful not to use very much of it because it makes it slip off. Yeah. So you put a tiny, tiny bit in the tip of the condom before you slide it down and you can put a tiny, tiny bit inside the vagina and but not very much because, yes, it can make it more likely to just slip off. Or if you're worried about that, just have one hand holding it at the base that you're holding the condom on. Sex has never been so much work except in this episode. Now, there's nothing worse when, when you've used a condom and then they pull out and you're like, where's the condom? And you know exactly where it is. It's swimming up into your fallopian tubes. And you're like, gosh, God, this is a disaster. Oh, anyway, no. all right. I feel, I feel- On that note, have a happy summer. What a way to end the season. Everybody, good luck out there. Okay, we will be back in a couple weeks. And thank you guys for listening. Send in lots of questions. Have a good time while we're away. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Sex Talk. If you'd like your question answered on the show, send it to us at sextalkpod.com. So that's S-E-X-T-O-K-P-O-D.com. You'll find info about my books, sex products, and more sex advice at tracycox.com. And that's Tracy with an E. If you like this podcast, please send it to your friends and rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.